Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Good to be here, Dan. Chris, always good to have you. And Chris, you know, we just uh, in the time that we recorded just a short week ago, we've now seen Omicron has, has reached the U.S. and is really in full swing. Um, we've also seen energy prices continue to, to drive upward, and along with that, the market continues to plug higher. <laughs> so I, I just open it up. Like, I mean, just how is this possible? Yeah, for sure. Um, it does seem to be some conflicting signals, but as we talked about, the, the new variant wasn't going to stop the reopening, and uh, you know clearly politics gets involved. Uh, but the reality is the data, and we still need another week or so of data to fully confirm this, but incrementally the data coming out with the variant in South Africa is demonstrating that uh, any illness or hospitalizations continue to be a manner that uh, that won't jeopardize the reopening. Um, and as long as that plays out, uh, you know, uh, the markets continue to recover from the sell-off since the news hit uh, the week of Thanksgiving. Um, at the same time, while energy prices have recovered, what's really important is that they've put in a lower high, and they're signaling a lower high, and they're potentially signaling a fairly significant uh, trend shift, and I think the narrative in the market, which has been this inflationary recovery, and we may be transitioning to a lower inflation or disinflationary environment. So, so you mentioned you, you know, we might be witnessing, you know, describe a, a near-term peak with with energy costs. You know, are you starting to see any other signals that would confirm a, a peak in inflation? Yeah, there there really are. Uh, one, when you look at the components of inflation, and we've talked about the rate of uh, increase in inflation was peaking, there's a very good chance we're going to peak in inflationary pressures this quarter in the U.S. And while it, inflation will still remain elevated, um, when you look going forward, there's a, a, a pretty good chance that uh, we're going to see inflation begin to roll over. Uh, we've seen peaking in both rent. We've seen peaking and some of the most recently released used car prices, and then we'll get into some base effects as well. Uh, and they're pretty consistent with leadership shifts we're seeing in the market in general. And so while yield curves have flattened, um, the U.S. 10-year yield is also signaling that it may be have reached its peak for this current inflationary cycle. The dollar looks like it may have peaked as well. And just as importantly, we're starting to see strength out of the Asian markets. And when you look at the Chinese market, you know, they clearly are, are starting to uh, add stimulus to, to boost their credit impulse. But more importantly, they're a huge importer of food and energy, and they have to buy a lot of that with dollars. So a peaking in inflationary conditions and a peaking in the dollar should be bullish for China. So when you kind of lay everything up, it looks to me like we're transitioning from deflate, I mean, from inflation to uh, disinflation. And hopefully the inflationary pressures fall faster than the growth does. And in that environment, we'll see an increase in real growth, which is bullish for risk assets. And it's not surprising that we would see, uh, you know, equity markets probe uh, all-time highs. So what you're saying here is, you know, if we're, you think we're transitioning to what we describe as a disinflationary portion of the economic cycle. Do you think that there's a risk that the Fed could be potentially over-tightening monetary conditions into the slowdown? Yeah, you know, it, it's the classic Fed policy error. 
and we're setting up a window of opportunity for that to occur again. And as we mentioned last time, the Fed is a political organization and their policy follows politics more than anything else. And the narrative in the paper right now and the narrative in polls is very much inflation. And it's one of the most lagging economic indicators besides labor. Um, and so they're going to fight that, which means they're going to clearly they're going to accelerate the taper which will tighten up liquidity conditions. And we've already seen that volatility hit long duration risk assets and the most speculative asset classes. Um, and you know they're gonna tighten to the extent we don't see a significant fall off inflation. Let's say it drops down to you know 4% or so in the first half of next year, that's still significantly higher than the last bottom or low we saw in inflation, which was near zero um, in early 2020. Um, and, you know, in, in investors' minds, and certainly not if investors' minds and journalists' minds is going to be the pattern we saw in the 70s. And in the 70s, while inflation did fall dramatically at different points in time, it still remained ele elevated relative to the prior decade. And that uh, narrative is not probably not going to have sufficient time to change in the first half of next year. So yes, the Fed could certainly uh, cause some issues and cause some volatility in the marketplace. Right, and, and you know maybe a little bit expanding on that. You know, what, what would be some you know, some short and medium term implications, kind of in light of the, some of these shifting dynamics you've described? Yeah, you know what, what I would do if I was an investor, um, and you can look at the recent volatility as kind of a topping process in the inflationary trade. Um, and I would look to try to take advantage of what is both seasonal strength and potentially rising real growth, but certainly falling inflationary pressures. Um, I'd focus in and around to the extent you're going to play uh, a cyclical recovery story. Those entities that have been hampered from an earning standpoint due to bottlenecks and due to cost pressures. Um, as long as those cost pressures aren't primary la labor oriented. Now, labor costs are going to remain elevated, um, and that's going to be an issue we're going to have to deal with for all of 2022. Uh, and if anything, that's also going to provide the tailwind for personal income growth that could drive some of these higher real growth avenues. But, you know, if you have some manufacturers in various supply chains that weren't able to pass along all the raw material costs, weren't able to um, complete all the backlog and recognize those uh, revenues on the sales line item, chances are earnings estimates next year are a little low. Uh, they probably include input costs that are assumed to remain elevated, and that won't be the case. And so there's a real opportunity there. And then that's kind of the short-term play. So that may mean the market could be peaking uh, midway through the first quarter of 2022, and then as we get into a seasonal, seasonally weaker period post-May through the summer, it's really, I think the investors are really going to have to focus on this real growth dynamic. Um, is real growth starting to slow faster than inflation? So it's going to mimic a stagflationary environment. Does both growth and inflationary slowdown accelerate, and, which can kind of be the, the uh, worst combination for a lot of risk assets? And then what is going to be the policy response in various scenarios? Um, because it could be a situation where inflation falls, 
probably the value factor doesn't work as well near term. Large caps outperform small caps near term. Quality beats junk near term. Um, To the extent we kind of resume the inflationary conditions, meaning inflation bottoms, and then the trajectory is a sharp move back higher, you're going to want to be uh, rotating fairly significantly during that transition to more of a value-oriented strategy. Uh, To the extent it's just going to be an accelerated slowdown and a normalization of policy, and we're going to go back to fairly weak real growth and fairly weak, weak inflationary environment, uh, then you'd probably go back and, and, and remain uh, in the current stance of de-emphasizing small caps, de-emphasizing value, and, and more in favor of growth. All right. Well, much more remains to be seen. So that's a good spot for us to stop today. So thank you, Chris. And, you bet. Uh, we'll catch you here soon. Sounds thank good, you. Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.